Walker, maintenance truck, now! Walker! Oh, shit. Dodge around it! Oh, dear God. Come on! Where's the fucking start button? There! Okay. How do I get it moving forwards? There, but... But what? The lock, goddammit! The lock door's shut! We didn't open it! Fuck! Why isn't it tearing us apart? It's distracted! Something's coming from the corridor! How many of these things are there? Get your helmets off! Bishop? I'll open the external door! Holy shit! Okay! Ready! As soon as the doors start opening, the atmosphere release should flush the creature out! It's stalking, Bishop! It doesn't know he's not a snack! Expense, strap in! Opening now! Jeez, strap in, goddammit! Yeah, yeah! If this works, the alien will get sucked down along with the loose stuff. I don't know, it's got a pretty good grip on the decking! Bishop, watch out for the tool rack! Ah! Just go! We can't leave him here! Bishop, get over here! Grab onto anything you can! Yeah, that's it! Don't wait for me! Keep going! The door's not fully open yet! Okay! I'm on! Just go! Quiet! One of the grapples is snagged! Fuck! Had the rocket loose. That thing's nearly on us. Damn it, this thing's overheating. Get down! Fuck! It's lost its footing, but it grabbed on the deck rail. Hanks! Get us out of here! Ah, damn it! Full power! Door's fully open, but it's not clear. It's obstructed. Come on! I can't. What? There's something outside blocking the main airlock. What's the alien? <laughs> Who the fuck fired that weapon? The UPP interceptor. It was holding station out there. This is Commander Chang of the Union of Progressive People's Armed Collective. Are you the only survivors? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hive Mind Xenomorphing Podcast. I am your co-host, Ryan. I'm here with Devin and Michael. Uh, how are you guys doing today? Good, good. Great. Awesome. Uh, so this is our second episode of the year celebrating the 30th anniversary of Alien 3. And... Our main host, Dave, is not with us today. He's probably uh, playing Cyberpunk 2077 right now, but uh, which, is, which is interesting because that's a good segue to what we'll be talking about, which is the the draft, uh, the screenplay from William Gibson for Alien 3. He was the, I think the, I don't think he's the first person actually approached to write for alien three i think clive barker they might have approached to and he just wasn't interested in doing it but william gibson was the um he was the first one that actually wrote a, a draft for it but uh but before we get into that i just want to kind of go over briefly uh, basically what happened after aliens and what you know what 20th century fox want to do what with the sequel and you know, David Geiler and Walter Hill, they were um, initially kind of reluctant, you know, after, I mean, first of all, Aliens was a smash hit, huge success. It just, you know, it's 
iconic. It's still part of pop culture today. And it's what 30, let's see, and that came out in 1986, so it's 36 years ago. Um, and it's still, I mean, even young people today know about, you know, Ripley and the Queen and stuff like that. It's just so iconic. And before I even get into the history, I, I just wanted to see, like, did you guys think that Aliens even needed a sequel? Or do you think it was fine? Um, because Skyler and Hill thought they just weren't interested in doing it. So I was wondering if you thought it needed a sequel. But yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. You know, uh, it, it, it does end pretty tidy at the end of Aliens. Very mm-hmm. much like, you know, I would say uh, it's, you know, it's a happy ending kind of thing. I think that's right. why a lot of people get mad at Alien 3 because it ruined everybody's, you know, right off into the sunset thing there mm-hmm. that happened with that movie. But I mean, the fact that Ripley was still out there and there was more room to explore her character, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, felt, it felt like there was an appeal to it. Definitely a story carrying on right. with the character would be interesting. I mean, we'll get into talking about the script and mm-hmm. some of the things in that script might not have worked with that idea, but right. finding out finding out what happens next just in general terms was, you know, something interesting. Definitely be neat to see more of the universe. I mean, what happened after Alien 3, that's kind of where I'm more brid- taking bridgement to what happened. But <laughs> with, with 3, it wasn't too bad. I mean, the idea of continuing the story, a third film, sure, why not? Trilogies was always a big thing. I think Back mm-hmm. to the Future was already a thing, I think, with three movies at this point. Mm-hmm. It was a really strong three-act structure. So right. Fox wanting to kind of take a chance on a three-act structure kind of thing made sense even, so... Mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, it seemed reasonable that they would continue. Right. What about uh, you, Devin? Uh, yeah, I think it needed one, except it it needed to go bigger. Mm-hmm. It, it was all about escalation. And, you know, they, they widened the scope of Alien with the second movie. But they needed to do it even more with the third movie. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think kind of falling backwards uh trying to scale things down it was not the best direction to go in right Uh, i i think the mark for hyden script even though i i don't think that's that should be the blueprint for how an alien three should have happened it still like captured the essence of where an alien three should have gone right it had to involve something on an apocalyptic scale because if the first one was a haunted house movie in in outer space Mm -hmm. or you know a slasher and the other one was uh was a war movie of sorts Mm -hmm. uh, then yeah this this one needed to be like a an apocalyptic literal alien invasion movie except it would be an invasion from the inside which is what the comic more or less tackle was the idea of the aliens being brought to earth through corporate greed. And then right. they, they just all hell breaks loose. They spread and they take over the planet. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and especially, you know, when I read nightmare asylum, the, the second part of that trilogy, there's a scene where, I believe it's like a grandfather and his granddaughter or father and daughter. And they're, uh, they're sort of filming themselves in this post-apocalyptic wasteland. 
And, you know, the, the humans are just the ones, the, the military that are kind of hanging back. They're just like doing strafing runs in their jets and mm-hmm. you know, knocking buildings out. And I was just thinking to myself, that's exactly what I would love to see in an alien three. Like, right. That's a natural progression that takes things to a logical conclusion. Things need to get, you know, the the stakes need to be like super high before the story is officially resolved. It was the the second movie was Ripley achieving closure, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that her uh, her burden would be lifted. Right. I I really think that in an ideal Alien Three, she would be involved in some calamity that befalls Earth, and you know, she has to find a way to deal with that. I, I think that would have been the absolute best direction that could have gone in. Mm-hmm. But if the- it feels like Fox was agreeing with you with their premature trailer there, because they kind of advertise like, what if it got on Earth? Oops, <laughs> that was too expensive. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the expense that that's always seems to be the uh yeah, the, the main answer to it is it was just too expensive to do anything bigger. Mm-hmm. Like people wanted like going to the alien home world and, and stuff like that, which is what Rennie Harlan, the uh, original director who was attached to Alien 3, wanted to do. He mm-hmm. wanted to go bigger with it. He did not yeah. want to stick to corridors and and all sorts and all, all those things. Right. You can't and, uh, you can't blame them seeing some of Dark Horse's work with the Hive World in it and stuff. It would definitely like seeing the scope of it in the comic it would just mm-hmm. wow, yeah, let's go there. That'd be next level for the thing, you know. I could see why I'd yeah. look at it like that. Plus, Harlan's he, he's a pretty solid horror director. He's done some pretty good horror titles over the years. So wanting it to be big and scary looking, you know, like Hive World's a big scary looking thing. Like I wouldn't want to yeah. be stuck on that planet. <laughs> oh no, no. Yeah. Even the even the even the creatures that aren't aliens are friggin' terrifying. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And the whole purpose of an alien sequel should be to learn something new about the alien. And mm-hmm. I just feel like we didn't get that with the alien three that we got. Yeah. Uh, the alien was mostly a foil, right? Or Ripley. Yeah, uh, it became it became the end of her story. Was the big thing. The big thrust mm-hmm. of that was ending her character arc. The, you know, the hero's journey in you know the classical narrative arc. Right. It was ending with this ultimate sacrifice. Was the big thing they pushed in that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and like you say, it took over. It was it was less about the alien and more about how the alien was kind of like the reaper coming after almost you know yeah 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 and uh, yeah i mean as good as alien 3 is Mm -hmm. it just there there's some a lot of missed opportunities yeah there was potential there definitely to go to go to wider vistas and then we ended up locked in another kind of dark house kind of thing with the monster Mm -hmm. right yeah that's true i mean i I'm just reading here, I guess there were some early ideas of obviously the xenomorphs invading earth. There was this idea of uh, the xenos fusing together uh, into like this massive, massive xeno, not even a queen, just this like, just, you know, sort of uh, in the body horror sense, like all these xenos coming together. 
that's like in Critters, man. They all merge yeah. into a giant. Yeah, that was uh, Eric Red's uh, right mm-hmm. draft. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Eric Red did that, but yeah. So I think their idea was they yeah they want they did want to go big, but like you said, it was just financially they it didn't seem like a viable option. But they did, I, you know. I, th- they, I think something that stings it financially too is the overlong development already at that stage. Right. Like mm-hmm. so, like yeah, they're already in for how much in script development. So mm-hmm. we want to yeah. put something on screen already. Let's get something together. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's a lot of good ideas like Guyler and Hill. Um, I think they want to do like a two-part ending, sort of like you were saying earlier about Back to the Future. Doing, uh, you know, they did the sequels um they actually did two and three back-to-back filming but uh but yeah it's going to involve like you know obviously the corporation and whaling yutani and their you know military and stuff being um you know developing these aliens and then being overrun so it would have been like really big uh maybe similar to what you know bloom camp was thinking of doing for his alien five but yeah there's just a lot of like ideas being thrown around. Um, I think it all just became, it just, yeah, usually all this stuff just comes down to money. I mean, maybe nowadays with, you know, streaming services and seems like, you know, Netflix or Hulu, they just have like endless amounts of money they can throw into these projects. So like, yeah, maybe that nowadays it would, it would have uh, been more possible and it could turn well, yeah. into like a streaming series or something, but yeah. Well, I mean, if a if a video game like Halo can get a show, yeah, mm-hmm. like the sky's the limit these days, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, because back then, it, any creative endeavor was a financial risk, mm-hmm. and yeah. only the only surefire hits could, yeah, get a lot of leeway. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think in spite of how successful Aliens was, I I don't I don't think they were that they were interested enough to have a sequel, but I don't think they had enough faith in it. Right. Mm-hmm. To uh for it to, you know, to go beyond its potential. Mm-hmm. They uh and the you know the William Gibson script kind of feeds into that how you know it's just kind of more of the same in a way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, they did want to get away from that. Right. Uh, I can see why. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, uh, you know, when they're thrown around these, you know, big ideas of, you know, Xeno invasion and, you know, and all that, it was, uh, you know, Fox, they, they, they asked Hill and Geiler to try and get Ridley Scott on board. Cause I mean, they, they obviously wanted a big name if they're going to be spending all this money, they want that. Yeah, they want someone attached to it that has a, you know, really strong history and obviously really Scott um, closely tied to the Alien franchise. But, uh, but I guess Scott was doing like three movies at the time. <laughs> like I'm not sure. Usual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just always has a ton of projects. <laughs> I think what was that? Probably 87. He's probably doing like Black Rain and... Thelma and Louise um, too. Yeah, I was working. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Cur- I think he was at that point in the early '90s, I think, because it went out, came out in '91. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah, like after winning an Oscar and stuff, it'd be, it would definitely be difficult to acquire his services at that yeah. point. I, 
He's a yeah. monster at that point in terms of like critical acclaim is mm-hmm. through the roof for Thelma Louise. So yeah, he's probably a tricky name to pull down. Like it's easier when he's just one movie in after the duelists and like, hey, want a job, buddy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it's yeah. like, please work for us years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know they asked, they did ask Clyde Barker at one point, and I guess he, he did, he directed and wrote, I think, Hellraiser, right? Or the first two Hellraisers? He was involved with, he had involvement with Prince of Darkness, too. Did he direct it? I'm not sure, but I, mm. I think that was Sam Raimi. I... Yeah, see, I think he was involved with the, he was on the writing end of that movie. Oh, oh sorry, okay. no, I'm thinking yeah. Army of Darkness. <laughs> oh, Army of Darkness. Yeah, no, no, Prince of Darkness is the one, I think it's the devil. I think is that what yeah. it's all about yeah 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 right okay yeah yeah and uh what was it oh that was like with eight i mean it's resurrection but i always thought it was cool that they tried to tap cronenberg for the next film after but mm-hmm. oh man he'd be so cool to do an alien movie i loved <laughs> i loved the fly so that yeah sweet. oh yeah or john or john carpenter i mean that'd be mm-hmm. killer too <laughs> yeah yeah seriously yeah so but yeah, William Gibson, they, I guess it looks like it was in September of 87. They uh, approached Gibson about writing a script. And um, I think that I'm, to me, that's really interesting to kind of get the father of cyberpunk to, or the pioneer of cyber, cyberpunk to write a script for Alien. I, just the idea of that aesthetic with an Alien film might have been, you know, different enough to just make it interesting, you know, and make the, make the movie, um, you know, have its own to be, you know, enough removed from the first two the, and to also, you know, introduce new things into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, at that point, Gibson had, you know, he'd, he'd done Neuromancer by like 1984 and that was a massive, um, success for him <clears throat> and he yeah um so yeah he wrote the script uh there's well, yeah two- and um like you're saying about some of the things like bringing mm-hmm. a different sensibility to it yeah like mm-hmm. i uh, looked through the i was looking through the script just before we got got going film, mm-hmm. doing this and uh you, like you say he he applies that kind of like world building sensibility like a space stations and some urban mm-hmm. environments and you get like I've read a few. I've read an, I've read a bit of his stuff and like his environments. He always describes them in such an incredibly vivid way. Like very much like you know you think of you know Scott doing Blade Runner and like mm-hmm. that's the kind of density that his environments and novel descriptions get. And he talks about some of these environs in the space station and that. And it it was really interesting because like you say it it was something different from the past two films where you're like kind of more locked into more confined buildings and mm-hmm. he took the opportunity to kind of hey look there's big open areas and he's like a big you know shopping mall cade thing and you know like there's a big park in one part mm-hmm. it was interesting yeah. how he kind of went for different environments for it right and uh yeah. like you say yeah it was kind of neat how when they brought him in they kind of were trying something different with how they were going to write it right yeah i i think they i think they picked gibson just you know because he also had that aesthetic that i suppose appealed to appealed to the producers because 
you know, he was inspired by Alien himself. He he right. did love the lived in dirty kitchen sink style mm-hmm. yeah. aesthetic of Alien, and and that did find its way into his uh, his his work. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they thought, well, who better, right? Who better yeah. to tackle this? Mm-hmm. And and I, I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but before he wrote the script, the Guyler and Walter Hill, they, I don't know if Carol, Gordon Carroll was a part of those conversations as well, but they said, we don't have the money to do a Blade Runner style world right uh basically what you're good at we don't want you to do that yeah (laughs) we want you to just go with our idea and make it really work make it leap Mm -hmm. off the page because the whole cold war in space was their idea right yeah just like you know the the those producers they do deserve a lot of credit because they they did provide the seeds for for aliens the whole idea of a colony losing contact with earth and then you know ripley having to come back and stuff that that was mostly those beats were laid down by them Mm -hmm. cameron came along and he decided to flesh that out in masterful ways by incorporating elements from another script he had written yeah and so uh, by the same token here i guess they were kind of hoping for the same thing they're like okay well we have an idea so you william mm-hmm. go in there and make those ideas sing make the whole idea of communists in space just blow people away <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. you know in their defense sometimes a prod from the producer does do wonders for a production sometimes like uh i know with the development of blade runner that Hampton Fancher would have wrote for fucking ever if he would have had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And like, basically it was like Ivor Powell sitting there with Ridley Scott and he kind of just prodded him. He said, listen, if you can't finish the script, we'll get David Peoples in here and he'll finish the script. And it's like the same kind of thing here. You know, like you're, you're getting pushed a little by the producer because he thinks it's a productive move. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, like, I mean, I totally, you know, I can understand. It's like, he's just kind of, we're going to offer you this theme and we want you to run. (laughs) (laughs) Except, except when William Gibson turned in his drafts, they, (laughs) they were just like, well, uh, yeah, we're not very impressed by this. And and (laughs) admitted, he said, it's not entirely his fault. He said, he goes, that a lot of the idea, a lot of those ideas were ours. So, I mean, right. How can we be, how can, we get lay all the blame on him and get mad about it when we're the ones that sort of laid down these mandates. Yeah. That's right. why like, they just abandoned that whole idea. It, it, <laughs> it, it's, it's like how NBC backed themselves into a corner signing off on Roddenberry. They're like, here, you're going to make this thing. And you said it's going to be wagon train in space. Awesome. We can't wait to see what you're going to give us. Gives them the cage. <laughs> like, what is this telepathic <laughs> aliens? Where's the adventures? Where are the six shooters? <laughs> yep. Yep. They're like too cerebral. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Making people think, God damn it. <laughs> and now they're back to dumbing it right down again. So <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, 
it's interesting how, like you said, they approach Gibson to do the script, but they give all these like, well, you can't do this. You can't. I mean, this is just the beginning of all the problems that Alien 3 had from production. But like right from right from the start, it was like, okay, no, we don't want this. Can't do this. No, you can't do a Blade Runner type story because that's going to cost too much money. It's always cost, cost, cost. And so it just became right right from the start, like, you know, Gibson, he's very, I mean, he's very ambitious, like in his writings and stuff like that. He has this, um, you know, these strong visions. And then he, he yeah, kinda, he's, he's a great world builder. Definitely. Yeah. So he kind of got neutered trying to do this, this script. But, but anyway, so, yeah, he comes out with this, like the first draft. And I guess apparently this is the one. The first draft is more well known. I am I never read it. I'm more familiar with the second one because of I've listened to the the audio drama adaptation a couple two or three times. Um so I have so my idea of the his script is more like the second version which I guess fleshed out some some uh, plot holes and um really scaled back scaled back the 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 breadth of the script because i guess the first one was more like a big action aliens type uh james cameron style of film and they probably they probably thought it was just you know it's too much it's too much again too much money and probably too similar to what what came before and i think that that seems like to be another theme that like they couldn't figure out how to do something new with the story and yeah the shadow of aliens loomed large like i mean even even dark horses comics would be intimidating because it was just all colonial marines for years like Mm -hmm. constantly the marines fighting aliens in those books so you're like how do we do anything other than that because that's all that the media you're getting shoved in your face that's all it is right Mm -hmm. i mean eventually dark horse branched off into different kinds of stories later but for a long time after that film they were just like Mm-hmm. Marines land on planet, fight aliens, various plot elements ensue. <laughs> you know, right. like, it, it turned up a lot, like a lot of novels, a lot of comics. Like, would be mm-hmm. a very intimidating thing to try and get out from underneath with a new idea. I mean, right. you know, yeah, I, was, I got really sick of that in the comics, just all the shooting and mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I hate to sound like Sigourney Weaver, but. <laughs> What's yeah. up with all these guns? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, one thing I, I love about Alien, honestly, is when there aren't many guns involved because I like the fact that these a lot of these people are sort of out of their depth with this mm-hmm. alien and they, they don't have a way to really fight back in a very conventional way. They have to be resourceful in order to defeat the alien. That's why I love the isolation video game because mm-hmm. a gun is useless. You can't use a gun. Right. Well, what mm-hmm. was it? Uh, well, let's, yeah. Like, I mean, I was a big action person, like when I was younger, but kind of understood a little better. The other elements of the alien films later on in life, you start to understand the dramatic elements and mm-hmm. character development and like, you know, like I hated Lambert when I was a kid, but I totally understand her mental collapse now as an adult. Cause like, right. not, not everybody is that sturdy mentally. Some people mm-hmm. do panic in bad situations. So, right. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and, and it's like like Devin said, when you put people in a situation where they can't hide behind a firearm blasting away at it, then you mm-hmm. see more of that character coming out. How do they yeah. deal with the situation that they can't get out of the box? They're trapped in the in with the goblin, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. I didn't I even I forgot to mention that really throughout all this, like Sigourney Weaver was just not interested in doing even when gibson was writing you know i i think ripley or you know weaver basically said that she felt that ripley was going to be like one of her quotes was that i felt that ripley was going to become a burden to the story there are only so many aspects to that character you can do and i i think not having um sigourney weaver kind of on board i think that also hurts production too because i think fox and the producers and every everyone involved is like, well, she is the star. I mean, she is the she is what's gonna bring in the audience, and people fell in love with her from the first two movies. Like, oh, yeah, we don't have her. Camp- the whole ad campaign for the subsequently that for the movie that did eventually go to go to like you know film, right? Mm-hmm. The bitch mm-hmm. is back. There's a silhouette yeah. of Ripley, right? I mean, mm-hmm. So are they referring to her? Like, is she the bitch in that situation? I believe so. The authoritative bitch. That was the idea behind the ad campaign. Yeah, because, you know, they show the alien, like, nuzzling up to her in that trailer and says, the bitch is back. And I'm like, well, that's (laughs) not true. So, because that's not the queen. So, what the hell? So, like, (laughs) yeah, they would have to apply to Ripley. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's her because it's it's kind of i think they were trying to riff off of like how she stood up to the marines and basically told them all they had no fucking clue what was going on at that you know there's a there's a turning point in that in aliens where that happens mm-hmm. and in the third movie she does the same thing subsequently with the prisoners listen now that you've seen several people get brutally slaughtered in front of you maybe you'll listen to me somebody who might actually know how to live through this because i've done it twice before <laughs> <laughs> It's hard for her to earn authority, and I can see why people would consider her to be a bit of a nag. But honestly, <laughs> if that woman stood up in a room and told me, like, come with me if you want to live, I'd be like, yes, you're the Arnold Schwarzenegger in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's all balls, that lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah. So at this point, yeah. So Gibson writes a script. And for the first draft, uh, I mean, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was interesting, especially the way it was done for the audio drama. Um, I thought maybe because some things were cleaned up with the second draft, but it's still like the idea of this like genetic material of the alien kind of being able to infect, you know, infect a crew and, and some of the, you know, some of the staff there on what was it anchor point i think was a large space station in the in the yeah. in the script yeah. And yeah i think that was yeah that was the american one and then there's another opposite station where they were doing a, a parallel experiment i think right right yeah, yeah. station rodina station yeah. yeah so yeah bishop i guess the the queen had deposited some genetic material in bishop and that ended up getting um both sides the progressive people which was like you guys said synonymous with the soviet union and then you have the the company you know colonial marines or whatever and they both get it and they start doing experiments with it 
you know, and during this time, uh, you know, they, oh, and so, and with, with Gibson's draft, you know, they, since they didn't really have Ripley, except for like a, not even a, cam, I wouldn't even call it a cameo. She was just like, it's like basically like one sentence or something like that. It was just like, just just flash a picture of a hypersleep tube basically yeah that's what, yeah. She, that's what she did for most of it yeah, mm-hmm. yeah just put her in a, a coma moment, yeah, yeah a moment where, where hicks kisses the pod and good luck my sweet princess and lets <laughs> yeah. her sail away near the end there <laughs> at least he got her clear he says he owes her i thought that was a nice callback right right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so but yeah, so Bishop is Bishop gets taken by Uni- Union of Progressive Peoples, and then the Colonial Marines. They have they have Hicks, and the, I guess there's these two scientists doing experiments on it, and then something happens in the lab, and they both and two of them get infected. I think this is from the, the second draft of the script, and and this is the that was the part that I kind of liked about it was. And was used later in the prequels, like Prometheus, and especially Covenant, with the the spores and um, infecting those two people in what I thought was the best sequence of Covenant. Um, well, but I also, that bioformer fluid in Prometheus, to the way it. Uh, oh right, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the way it changed. What's his name there? Uh, Fifield. The way he changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they they're talking about people in the script that change, and I was like, what's kind of parallel or right Mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah yeah they probably went through a bunch of these scripts and they were like oh i like that idea let's incorporate oh that's pretty good i Um, suppose they're in the they're in the fox archives and i right you Mm -hmm. know if if scott free's working for fox they have access to the records so yeah you never know Mm -hmm. yeah so there's some cool body horror stuff in it i'm always i mean i'm a big fan of body horror i think that's probably in my view, like one of the most effective types of horror in, in film and television. And uh, so I really liked what Gibson did with that. And, you know, from there it becomes, again, it's, I can understand though why, you know, Fox ultimately wasn't thrilled with it. Cause it, and, you know, even as Renly Har- Rennie Harlan said, and the, uh, behind the scenes featurette for Alien 3, Wreckage and Rage. You know, he's like, you know, I just didn't think there was enough different about it to make it. He wanted to do something very different. And these scripts, whether Gibson or whatever, it just wasn't, it wasn't different enough. It didn't separate well, itself enough from. Yeah, like the, the body horror element, like you say, if, if it would have been maybe more kind of the way Resurrection was, where it's more like laboratory focused, mm-hmm. like on these genetic consequences of the creature and how it's changed in a way like more focus on that maybe less emphasis on like reading some of the later parts of the script i found myself on fasco like it's just oh yeah so it's just like aliens at the end eh? like oh Mm -hmm. a group of group of marines that don't matter because you didn't get to know these guys i'll die in a few minutes and i was just like (laughs) the rookies yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like so you just you saddle hicks with a bunch of greenhorns and play mm-hmm. out aliens for the last half hour of the movie like i don't know like you say it just and i, I mean harlan sitting there reading it to me just like this is kind of like the end of cameron's movie it just mm-hmm. a new a nuclear explosion marines a desperate fight to survive until the rescue ship can save them like i 
I, I think we heard all this before somewhere. And right. Was, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like honestly, after two after two endings where we escaped and there was a nuclear explosion, like I'll give Alien Three credit for not going that way because it would be a little cliche to end up at the same ending yet again. Right. So, I mean, people can complain about her jumping into the lead honestly i found it to be very great i had a lot of good closure with that movie when i watched it then the fourth one came out and i was like oh they just shed all over that eh? (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was i can't believe sigourney weaver just talked herself into doing that oh dude oh yeah this is so interesting i'm like as, as far back as 79 she was in that mindset she already had that wacky like, wait, I'm touched. I'm close to the alien and it can see me naked. What if I got closer to it? It's like, what a stupid idea, but yeah. whatever. That's hers, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if yeah. they called me mommy? Like, wow. <laughs> I know, uh, right? Weird. Uh, yeah. Just... But, but yeah, least... you know. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, it's just I was gonna say at least this was exploring similar territory, like with the experimentation, messing with alien genetics. But it was more mm-hmm. interesting, more interesting that way. Like I right. mean, we I can give resurrection shit all day, and that's boring. But like the fact that it was exploring a similar type of territory, but it, in a proposed script years before that, mm-hmm. like you say, road let road not traveled, but interesting potential, more or less on that plot point because like. Mm-hmm. Going over the Marines again, there were parts where it was just like Marines, this and that. And like Gibson's like, yeah, just like that, just like in aliens. And it's like, dude, you're even writing in there that you're just aping that movie. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, he actually <laughs> just, does write that. So divorce yeah. yourself from that, man. Make your own movie. I mean, you can give the prequels hell, but at least they weren't just the mm. same thing again, you know? Yeah. Like, a- alien is different than the prequels and people who want to complain and say that that's why they don't like proof fine you can go ahead and say that because mm-hmm. it, it was something different and that was his whole intention of making it different now the fact that he kept changing his mind a lot about what that different was going to be is kind of what makes it a little problematic mm-hmm. but <laughs> at least he was brave enough to try mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah like, you need a plan <laughs> Yeah, yeah, don't hire Damon Lindelof to write your plan. <laughs> he wrote Lost. Come on, people. I, I hate David, Damon Lindelof's script writing style. It's just it's it. He he uh he's literally shouting in his screenplays. He he uh he's more excited about what he's writing than you are reading it. So <laughs> oh yeah, it, dude, dude. okay so like all of bad robot is just a flaming dumpster i mean (laughs) you know i mean i'm not gonna take away from jj that he makes good action films but that's all he can do is make it go boom really hard Mm. because he he did star trek movies and it's like you know there was no heart it was just a big flash boom bang flash boom bang flash (laughs) boom bang like you know yeah it's just oh Oh, yeah the, the only one the only exception that I can make is uh, Mission Impossible movies. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think they're it, bad robot and they're pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> no, <laughs> in my honest, opinion. Honestly, though, I, like you him, know, yeah. I, I would say I would give him credit with that. Uh, he's good with that, that kind of stuff. Cause like he started with Alias, right? So mm-hmm. it's logical that he would be able to write a good spy movie. You know, yeah. like, that, that makes sense to me. It really does. 
Super Eight was other- a good one too. Yeah, uh-huh. actually, you know what? That was Spielbergian the way it felt. You know, it was really yeah. neat. It had that Spielbergian kind of twist to it. It felt like interesting. Or Stranger Things felt similar to that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, this in- interesting retro aesthetic played effectively. Right. And you have these child heroes who the movie kind of cycles around, like a lot of mm-hmm. Spielberg stuff too. I mean, it worked that way definitely. Right. Hmm. That's like Gibson yeah. though. He's he's way way more of a grim grim dark kind of character though. And yeah, like you say, it, it definitely shows in this script because there's like you know the, the moments of body horror and you know even some of the nefarious political maneuvering and stuff mm-hmm. between these factions in it and stuff. It it you you can feel a lot of how he writes. Like I've right. read some of his books and I think it's the Bridge trilogy and there's this huge thing with like kind of like this big deal about data mm-hmm. data theft and all this stuff about something to do with this like conspiracy involving data but like the conspiracy concept is strong in this too like you get this feeling like none of this should be done all these experiments they're carrying out with like, both nations it's just you guys are operating like way outside safety you know like <laughs> there's like help is a long way away they established that pretty strongly in the script too and it's like yeah. they're still let's just keep dabbling with this, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> At the end of the day, I, as good a storyteller as William Gibson is, it, it wasn't like they were genuinely, they genuinely wanted his stamp, his, his visual uh, or, or, you know, artistic style on the story. They, they just treated him like a hired gun. Yeah, like oh, write this script for us. You're smart. Go write it. Yeah, that's that's something amazing because Neuromancer was amazing. Therefore, this should be amazing because you're writing it now. Write it, and (laughs) that's 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 not how Cameron got aliens off the ground. Cameron, he's he, you know, he didn't. He wasn't just some whipping boy. He took control of that. Right. Oh yeah. He wrote it on his own volition, and then he handed the script off to them in the capacity of a writer. They read it and they were just floored. They're like, mm-hmm. wow, can you direct this too? <laughs> and he was like, are you kidding? I'm there with bells on. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alien 2? I'm here. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's just ultimately why I, 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 out of all the drafts, the William Gibson one is my least favorite i i suppose really really it, the, the, it, the david toy script was horrid wooden planet <laughs> oh, yeah that's that, nonsense. that was going that's in absolute, the wrong direction yeah that's nonsense i read well, that the eric like, red script was laughably bad that gives it a redeeming quality <laughs> that it was so bad it was good but this one it was just it felt very much like a by the numbers story that was just in the vein of aliens but it it didn't push the story in any decisive direction it it, when when the story ends in both drafts when the story ends there's no culmination there's no real closure or any kind of stinger that gets you invested they just escape the station and then they get they're waiting to get picked up or something like that and yeah. it's just oh you're just keeping it going and going and going and going it needs yeah. it needs to 
going back to what I was saying before about a about the you know the a third movie is it needs to go bigger and it needs to it needs to finish it needs to come full mm-hmm. circle it needs to complete in a very meaningful way and that just wasn't happening with uh, yeah the the William Gibson script yeah it's uh it feels like they took a blender or something it's like it's like it's like he's a he's like a bartender preparing a drink and they're handing him things here, put a bit of blade runner in there. here, put a bit of aliens yeah. in there. Yeah. <laughs> here, here, put a, put a bit of the thing in there too. You know, it'll erupt from people. Yeah, sure. Just like mm-hmm. the thing did. Yeah. That'll be good. That'll be yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, add some more <laughs> stuff here. Add some sprinkles. You know, it's, You're right. It, it, it's just, it's like, it, it's got a lot going on. I get that. And yeah, I, 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 I don't, I, I just can't say it's, it's worthless. Like it, it's, there are interesting things about it. Definitely. It just feels like it's trying to do too much. I think would be the answer I'd say. (laughs) Yeah. They try to throw in like a little cliffhanger at the end when Bishop is like, you know, they get rescued and he says, okay, well now we're all united against this common enemy, the Xenomorph and Bishop thinks they should go to the Xenos homeworld, try and get rid of them once and for all. And then that, And it kind of ends there and it's like okay so they just kind of threw in this little okay here's an idea for another sequel but you're right i mean overall yeah i mean the first draft was basically like a big action movie i think it had more action scenes in it than even aliens did and then they scale it way back in the second draft or gibson they probably told him to scale it back for money of course you know and they yeah and then then it was more like the first film uh, more of like a sl- you know slasher in space or body, body horror film in space but it's still like you said it was just more the same it was just they just didn't there just wasn't enough different about it and they didn't let again they didn't really seem to let gibson kind of do maybe what he really wanted to do if he made more of like a i think it would have been interesting if he was just allowed to do go like full cyberpunk with this alien franchise I wonder what his script would have been like without any like restrictions or any, you know, without yeah, Fox or whatever. Yeah. You got like a brandy wine giving you a mandate on what they kind of want to see from it. Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely put expectation of what was going to happen there. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I guess with Gibson's script, it was, again, if you, if people are listening, if you haven't listened to the audio drama that Dirk Maggs did, with uh, Michael Bean and Lance Henriksen, it is really, it's really good. And it's really interesting to hear, to listen to it and have, you know, the sound effects and the music and different actors and stuff like that. It's almost like, you know, listening to the movie as it would have been if they actually made it. And it's, uh, it's really, uh, I thought it was really well done. Again, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I, you know, I think it was, it would have worked if they released it as it, yeah. as it was. Well, I, but I, I um, think a thing that kind of strikes against it a little bit, and you guys were talking about this earlier, we mm-hmm. all kind of got into a bit of a discussion about just the significance of the Ripley character. Mm-hmm. The fact that this is kind of a buddy film structure around those two mm-hmm. instead of, instead of her. Now I'm thinking that they can in a script like that over the Fox, they're going to kind of, put their tongue in their cheek and go, I don't know, you know, without, <laughs> without Sigourney Weaver headlining this with her just in a pod sleeping mostly. I don't know if we got a movie here, folks. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, you know, it's like, 
it's like it's like the shadow aliens the shadow of that character too also mm-hmm. looms large over this franchise i mean yeah. even look look now look at all the fighting over oh the prequels shouldn't have happened they should have done blow camps meet alien five film and it's like please god no not after chappy but i mean you know whatever everybody's <laughs> got a right to an opinion here but i mean you know yeah. it's just tricky business i mean yeah there's expectations yeah. of, of it, these movies so it, it was difficult for gibson to work within them constraints i would yeah. definitely say yeah yeah we always condemn what is mm-hmm. and then we pine for what could have been Right. Star that doesn't Trek. necessarily mean it would have been better. <laughs> Star yeah. Trek Star Trek lately, I pine for what was. It's like go back to yeah. the 90s, buddy. It's like I wish I could. <laughs> yeah. Watch a better show than this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, seriously. I don't know. That I guess that's really all the rest I had to say on on Gibson's script. I think next time we'll talk about. I think the next one was Eric Red's script. Yeah, and that's, that now you're gonna pack the shit out of that one. <laughs> yeah, that'll <laughs> be fun. But you know, yeah, I'm I'm glad Gibson made the attempt at it, and but it really, you know, just just shows that everything kind of got off on the started off on the wrong foot, and then it just never, never got really got back to you know some kind of uh, production that was healthy and you know it just it all just from the start it was just uh kind of a mess and chaotic and all his budget issues and here you need to put this in there and don't put this in there and then you get the script and it's like oh well you did what we asked you to do but this isn't very good <laughs> so we <laughs> better try try to do something else but yeah it's just the fact that we still get an assembly cut of Alien 3 after all that, that's actually a really solid movie. Um, it just still blows my mind. Um, oh, yeah. That totally you know. saved that movie for me. I watched the theatrical and I'm like, Ugh. I watched the yeah. assembly cut and I'm like, hey, this feels like a complete thing. You know, right. mm-hmm. it feels like a proper movie, not just hacked to bits by Brandywine and Fox. You know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, what was it? I was going to say something in relation to some of the material we were discussing though, over this like, oh, yeah. cast was, uh, you know, with the upcoming show. I mean, some of this corporate duplicity that pops up in this script mm-hmm. would, would be kind of neat to see some of those kinds of corporate maneuvers and like that kind of mm-hmm. that kind of mentality applied to some of the show because it would be neat because, I mean, you do get a lot of nefarious company dealings in the script that were some of the more interesting aspects was right. skirting the legislation around this biological organism stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the kind of ground that, uh, you know, you know, Noah's show could get into. So I right. mean, you never know, man, it could be cool mm-hmm. to have something like that pop up in, you know, some of the newer stuff that's coming out lately. I mean, people have their opinions on this show and what it might be about, but I mean, you know, that's definitely one, one way they could go with some of it would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be a lot about the company because I think I think a lot of the fandom, you know, we that's always been kind of the a thing that thing that's been remained mysterious throughout the the franchise is this overarching company that yeah. wants to utilize this uh you know this xeno biological organism for their own nefarious means and and i hope that that you know holly maintains some of that mystery and you know 
we'll learn some things, but it'll like bring up new questions and, you know, it, it should be, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I think, yeah, I mean, uh, I, me too. Yeah. I've always, I've always enjoyed the MAGACorp aesthetic in science fiction, the concept that governments will be supplanted by giant corporate combines in the mm-hmm. future. Cause it just, it feels close to reality. Mm-hmm. It's a believable yeah. future concept, right? right. Mm-hmm. Like what happens when commercial power completely supplants political power. And right. that's kind of where I'd be interested to see if he goes into that a bunch in the show. Cause we, it's, it's kind of operative in the background in alien films, but like, when the company tells the governments on earth what they're doing, they do what they do. Right. You know, right. Like, mm-hmm. It's like, you do what we do because you don't get our products. Otherwise. I mean, I'm not trying to go political, but look at Russia getting stung right now. If a corporation cuts you off, wow, look what it can do to your society. So mm-hmm. I mean, they have a lot of pull in the world. You can tell in the like future presented to you in that it's like way you makes everything. Right. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, like the joke that they got bought out by Walmart was a joke because they would have bought Walmart out. They're that aggressive. Right. Give me a break here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, the only difference between the corporations of today and, say, Waylon Utani in the future is Waylon Utani is just open about it. Yeah. They've reached the point where they don't really need to do it in the shadows. Well, or we have our. Doors. It's like we, we don't. <laughs> It's like as we find out in the end of Alien Three, uh, they don't necessarily need to rent Colonial Marines. They can just show up with their own commando team. <laughs> yeah. Like scary, or they have the same level. Like of there weren't hockey pads. <laughs> They're gonna take down an alien with hockey pads. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think they ever did create an effective armor, except for I think it was the Jello armor one of the books in the comic mm-hmm. series there but but then they found out the jello armor doesn't do shit when it gets close and just lays hands on you oops forgot right. about that part Didn't yeah you? well <laughs> what the the uh, that's why i love that uh comic labyrinth because in the the opening you see that would be a per that would make a perfect movie because that had an aliens-esque moment where you have all these marines and they're like get ready marines got these this new state-of-the-art armor it resists, you know, acidic blood. It's so awesome. And uh, they, you know, they, they're gunning down xenomorphs left and right. But the xenomorphs, because of the sheer volume of their acidic blood, it just washes over them and they fall down and then they, they get killed anyway. And then all yeah. the Marines, they, they just get slaughtered, massacred by these things. <laughs> and that's the opening scene. And I was like... <laughs> That would that would be a great way to open the yeah the right movie or, or something yeah remember all that firepower you had doesn't mean shit here <laughs> nope because nope. <laughs> they're it's you can fire a nuke at a hurricane but it's not going to do shit yeah it's a That's force a, of nature that'd be really interesting actually what we should do that sometime just what, fire, fire a, nu- a, a nuclear <laughs> missile at a hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, wow, it. now the fallout is spreading at a Now we got a nuclear hurricane. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh shit, now we're, now we're, now we got fallout and tornado. We made it to, we made it to the eye of the storm. Yeah, now we're going to die of radiation poison. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's still coming. Oh, well, it's kind of like when Dallas had, or sorry, not Dallas, uh, Houston they they got hammered by a huge storm a few years mm-hmm. ago and 
and uh, I think some weirdos were like, like, yeah, if you shoot at it, if you just we're gonna shoot at this thing, this the sky, <laughs> just shoot at the sky. It's like it's not gonna help anything. It's not gonna. You're pissed at it. Yeah, Those bullets aren't gonna hit anything. <laughs> they're just gonna keep going and going and going, and then they're gonna hit something else. <laughs> this, I, they might I even th- fly back and hit you, man. <laughs> I think that was in like a Simpsons episode. I forgot what the character. There's like this big brush fire, and this character, like everyone's like, yeah, he comes out with this massive minigun. He's like, I'm gonna take out this brush fire with a minigun. <laughs> he just starts unloading on it. And obviously the fire just keeps coming and like ends up killing everybody. <laughs> it's like it's just makes, so random, but it's hilarious. Yeah. Makes me think of Abe in the paper too. Old man yells at cloud. <laughs> That's a famous <laughs> meme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so any closing thoughts or any other thoughts or anything new going on? I know uh Devin, you're you're still you're working on your project. And, uh, you know, how's that coming along? Oh, it's coming along great. Yeah, I, I have some preview pages to drop on Alien Day. And yeah, it's going to be really weird looking, but really cool looking at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's different. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny talking about all these different takes in Alien 3 and how some writers were just wanting to go bonkers with it. And then right. I'm going bonkers with my own stuff. <laughs> but uh but yeah. yeah it's all about you know because alien is just a big sandbox and there's so many different corners of the sandbox that can be right explored mm-hmm. and uh yeah yeah i i just think yeah I, it's it's really great to kind of tell a story that that you know means a lot to me and mm-hmm. you know just kind of do it through that lens through that alien lens so. Yeah, that's awesome. And then yeah, Mike, yeah. you're um, you're working on a uh, like a new edit, right? Like a fan yeah. edit of yeah. Uh, no, mm-hmm. no, it was uh, it was like uh, like you see a lot of them, you know, usually on YouTube. Uh, it's like a you know like a an assembled music video, right? Where you mm-hmm. yeah, it's like a music montage devoted to you know a film or a show or whatever. Right. But yeah, like considering it's the anniversary this year, I was uh, gonna do something for Alien Three and. Uh, something on top of that for prometheus as well because i know back when we did 40th there i I remember i think on alien day i dropped uh, a video devoted to the first one i think i think i called it perfect organism or something and yeah and it was you know i i enjoyed that a lot and now we're on these anniversaries here it's kind of a dual anniversary so it's even bigger deal so yeah (laughs) show, show a little love to a couple of a couple of films in the alien franchise that you know they get overlooked they get passed over a lot by a lot of fans mm-hmm. oh, i hate i hate them because well i don't hate them and i want to show off that you know i do have a bit of you know appreciation of both of these directors and these mm-hmm. efforts they put into kind of giving us something different from the alien universe like the, the end of ripley and then the introduction of these engineers and right the potential protomorphosis kind of thing the whole story behind how the alien came to be and what its origin was mm-hmm. I, I just think you know showing a little love to both films which tend to get trampled by some fans you know oh, i wanted more colonial marines i hate <laughs> anything different than that just, 
okay, okay, sure, fine then, whatever. But you know, I like them, and definitely, you know, video editing is something I, you know, I have a passion for. So you know, putting a couple mm-hmm. things together for this anniversary, I think, would just be a bang up thing to be doing for it this year. So you want to know something really weird? Is it is a dual anniversary, mm-hmm. uh, Alien Three and Prometheus, but it is also the 25th anniversary of uh, Alien Resurrection. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, because it came oh. out in 97, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that, that's uh, <laughs> it's really interesting, yeah. but I uh, you don't want to acknowledge that. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I think I got a piece of toilet paper with the ideas for that one on it. Like a big pile of shit. <laughs> oh, man. It's like it's the 50th anniversary of Alien Resurrection. It's like, oh yeah, I forgot all about that movie. Who cares? You, you know, I remember seeing I remember seeing Paramount tapes back in the day when Star Trek was doing it and then Paramount was doing their 25th anniversary and that would come up at the beginning, 25th anniversary. And it was like, now that's something to celebrate. A Star Trek movie celebrates an anniversary back in the day when they were good. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was it was sad there, like just, I don't know, Rez Rez just that was a really weird left turn. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. there were things about Alien 3. I had, you know. Saying bye to Ripley was rough, but I mean, at the same time, you get over it at some point. But to mm-hmm. just just to bring her back, like some sort of desiccated corpse, and be like, "Here, we're gonna just walk her through another movie." It's like, oh, oh, you killed the dramatic payoff of the last movie's ending with this. And it's just it's it's tough for people to look at Alien Three as a, a cool closure story now. Now you get this weird yeah that nobody wanted to it you know and i I think that's sad too because it takes a bit away from the gravity of what alien 3 was telling with its story you know right yeah weaver and fox get together it's like we want to make a few more bucks let's just bring her back with some you know really nebulous logic (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) ah man (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, we could go on a long tangent with that one, but we'll, oh, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll refrain. But we're yeah, celebrating. It's... We're celebrating other movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the good ones. The good yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, we will be getting the a new Alien movie. Oh right, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Fede Fede Alvarez. Did I get yeah. his name right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he yeah. directed the Don't don't speak not is it don't speak or don't uh, don't breathe don't breathe yeah that's right yeah. Um, that was that was that movie with the deaf dude is that right uh, he's blind he's blind or, yeah okay that's what it was yeah yeah and he, he's using his hearing to catch them that's the gimmick in the right drama. yeah it, it was a pretty good movie from what i heard you know i i don't yeah. think i've seen it myself but i remember hearing some fairly favorable things about it so. i liked it. it had a weird like good gross twist towards the yeah. end but it was uh it, i mean it was good and uh I'm effective blanking. use of yeah like claustrophobic yeah. movie so i mean yeah that's a good credential for an alien film being made you know yeah i'm blanking on the guy's name that was uh that led it he was an avatar too but uh Stephen lang yeah. yes right yeah he was yeah he's pretty good um in that movie i never saw the sequel though don't don't breathe too but I think I don't know. It's kind of on my watch list, but I didn't hear great things about it. Um, did 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 Alvarez direct that one too, or was that handed off to a new director? 
Good question. Yeah, it was probably handed yeah. off, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like with most sequels. <laughs> yeah. It tends probably, to be. Yeah. Probably saw a script. He's like, nah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess that he, you know, Fede Alvarez, he he did like the story or whatnot for the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I thought to myself, the new alien movie should be good as long as the alien doesn't end up getting confronted by a bunch of millennials and they go, you try anything and you're canceled, bro. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Or I could just yeah. make a safe bet and be like, okay, fatty, here's the director's chair. Now stay away from the writers. Yeah. <laughs> Some, yeah. Somebody needed to tell Ridley Scott that in his prequels. Kate, okay, the writers yeah. are over there. Leave John Logan alone. Let him write. <laughs> 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 Lock in the door. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Dude. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, I'm really interested to get more details on what that's going to be about. Well, but, there's that uh, pre- the the Predator film too. What is that called? Uh, Prey. Right. Yeah. Is it Prey? Okay, so they changed the name. I think once, right? Yeah. I think there was a yeah, it was Skull, and, and then that's it what it was. Prey. Yeah. Because I was having trouble, I kept I kept going. Okay, so which name was the one they changed it to? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I still. Um. I, well, we know a little bit about the plot. I still don't know like the release date, but going straight to Hulu, that's going to be interesting. I think that's what Disney is planning to do. Basically, I mean, since they acquired Fox, they're kind of using their Hulu streaming service to release these Predator and Alien films, and maybe it's a feeling like that'll somehow revive the franchise but i also feel like they're doing that because they don't have a lot of faith in releasing it theatrically yeah but you know i mean the this post covid world be a it's good, it could go be ahead. a good testing ground though you know it could, it be, could yeah. be because because disney plus has proven that dave filoni is much better at star wars than kathleen kennedy the hack job (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, and it is sad it really is sad that you know it's reached a point for alien and predator they went from kind of just being these box office juggernauts to Mm -hmm. a movie that may break even right and that's just because of the general public's perception of of alien and predators much as we love those franchises uh, it's actually a little heartbreaking to know just how many more people out there they kind of know about it they have a peripheral knowledge of it but Mm -hmm. they just they don't understand the minutia of it they they just see it as it's treated the same as like jason or freddie or you know, Mike, Michael Myers or whatever. Right. Yeah. And it, they just and it are is. like dismissive. They're dismissive. It, it, it is. It's really sad. Cause like uh, the last predator film, the predator, God, what a donkey turd that was, but you know, like, but <laughs> the one before it that Rodriguez produced, I, I can never remember the fella who directed it. He's a European fella. And oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I want to say Nimrod, but yeah. Yeah. Nimrod <laughs> Antal, yeah. I, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna insult the guy. Unfortunate name. Whatever, like whatever. But like he did really good job with that movie. I really enjoyed that movie. I actually like it more than Predator Two. And I was like, wow, could we just get more of this? But then you get the Predator. Autism yeah. is his kryptonite. What? <laughs> what? 
I just reared up and I mean, I went, I was on Facebook and I just blasted that movie. And I had people who were like predator people who were like, oh yeah, but it was okay, man. I'm like, oh, you like the ending with the predator hoax, predator smash. Oh, the predator <laughs> Iron Man. I don't even need armor anymore. I just press a button and my skin turns into armor. It's like, <laughs> cool. So this guy's like a Mary Sue predator. This is so lame. Oh. I mean, this, the, this... they set oh, up that they set up the fugitive guy. Like he was interesting. He was. I, I've heard this from people. Yeah. Like he was an interesting character. And mm-hmm. then the Predator Hulk crush brain. Rarg, <laughs> you don't matter. Predator Hulk better. It's, it's like what you turn him into the Hulk. This is terrible. It's about <laughs> stealth, people. Stealth killing. That's the whole thing's predicated on. Now we have Predator. He's better. Just, he doesn't need to be invisible. He just walks over them and throws cars at them. <laughs> Yay. It's just a bad idea to put your franchise in the hands of one of the worst characters of the first movie. I I was I was just so hey, glad hey. when Hawkins died. I, I was like, I, I'm not an annoying take... prick. And they I made and I... he wrote and directed an, an entire Predator film. It's I know, but you know. It, it, it shocks the living daylights out of me how bad that script is. Because like he came off of doing, what was it, The Nice Guys? And that was such a brilliant script. I mm-hmm. like that movie a lot. I <laughs> love it, actually. And then Donkey Turd. Go figure. <laughs> Critical acclaim to Donkey Turd in one script. Wow. Oh, well, and, <laughs> and it gets even weirder when you realize that, that they were trying to shoehorn Ripley and Newt into it. At oh, yeah. One point. I was mention I'm that. like, what? They actually filmed though. I, I haven't watched it, but I guess they filmed those endings. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> there, there were even what? there were there were rumors flying around that a pod with the Dutch emerging from it at the end of the film was oh. gonna happen at one point. Mm. I was like, I'm like, no, Schwarzenegger took one look at that and went, I don't think so. <laughs> no way. No way. He doesn't want anything to do with that shit. Instead, he did Dark Fate. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's like, I don't want any part of this, dude. I got a turd on the oven waiting for I'm, I'm a holding out for yeah. the big time. Jim Cameron's going to produce it. It's going to be brilliant. It's like, no, it's not, man. Remember, this is the same Cameron who did Titanic and Avatar in recent history. He doesn't have the same chops he used to. It was like he did True Lies, and then his mojo just went on a vacation. Yeah, it's like wow. <laughs> yeah, he let yeah. Titanic get to his head, and then yeah, he he, he went up on stage with his Oscar and said he was king of the world, and he still thinks he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make nine sequels. Scott said that about his movies too. I don't think there's gonna be nine Avatars, dude. No, <laughs> no. no it's gonna be five apparently. Oh, it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. I'm, I'm um, thinking. I'm thinking they're going to scale him back. He's maybe going to get a trilogy out of this because, like, what the numbers are, this next film will be determinant on how much farther it's going. Right? Well, he's filming all of these like back to back to back to back. I think. I think. How, he's, how yeah. can he afford yeah. that? It's, how much money I don't does know. he have? Holy. Oh, he's, I don't even know what his net worth is, but it's yeah, I it's suppose. probably in the billions. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. The, receipts, the receipts from Avatar, I suppose. He's got Spielberg money. He could just push a movie on his own. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even need help. Yeah, uh, I think he has it in him to, to do write a good script again. I mean, Alita was not too bad. 
you know, even though Rodriguez directed that one, but uh, that's a pretty solid movie. You know, that's what's funny? Alita, it's like, Angel. Yeah. When Alita comes up, I always find, I always end up in a, like kind of a discussion about it where people like, I know a lot of people loved just pooping all over Ghost in the Shell. They just, I hated it. Scarlett mm-hmm. Johansson whitewashing. It's like, well, that's <laughs> nonsense because Makoto was a Japanese brain in a generic body. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. It's weird the way they get locked out of that. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's just, I thought that was a pretty good movie. It felt like it was a tighter narrative vehicle than Alita, which just felt like it wanted to offer you a sequel that may or may not happen. You know, it's kind yeah. of a trick. That's a tricky proposition with a film. See, Ghost in the Shell did a better job because it just ended. And they're like, it's over. You could find out more about the major, but it doesn't matter because this story is over right here, right? That's, it, it yeah. Felt, that's a problem like with, a, uh, go ahead, sorry. It, it just felt like it called back really well to the original Ghost in the Shell movie, like the anime. Mm-hmm. Which also did the same thing. It told you a story about this world and, and had like kind of a, a, mm-hmm. a well bookended narrative that ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you say, because sequelism is a thing. Like Marvel has infested the whole world of movies with it. You got to mm-hmm. leave an after credit scene for a sequel that might happen. Even horror movies have been infected with it. Right. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. I, uh, Devin mentioned it earlier. It's like these movies, they, they don't complete themselves within their, you know, their narrative. They're all, they're always made like to make a sequel. Like it's like, they just don't, it's not even so much a cliffhanger at the end. It's just like, they just, it's like incomplete. Like they went half, they stopped halfway through the script or something like that. And just said, Oh, Ex- expect let's just move the tail on. Hook. It's gonna yeah. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was with like, you know, at least I knew ahead of time going in that the new Dune movie was basically the first half of the the first book. But you know, it still ended just like there was no, it wasn't as yeah, sort of a cliffhanger, but sort of like no, we're just going to end it like halfway through, and you know, you just have to wait to <laughs> see the rest. But uh, you know, um, I'll give them, I'll give them credit because uh, I think Sci-Fi did a mini series of Dune back mm-hmm. in the early two thousands, and they used a similar transition point where Paul went to the desert. Right. And that was yeah. like, that was where one part left off and the next part came on or something. Mm-hmm. And the next time you would watch it or something. So I've got to say he picked a good spot for a narrative break, but I mean, just let us watch a four hour Dune movie. I mean, it's just easier, <laughs> right? No, no. It's just, just yeah. people have trouble sitting down for that long though. Cause he took a beating on Blade Runner because it was almost three hours for 2049. So yeah, I think I think somebody at Warner shook their finger and said, "We'll let you do Dune, but it, you need to make it palpable for a yeah. wide audience. Break right. it down a little, man." <laughs> yeah, and they forced them to release it on on HBO Max too at the oh, same time. Drove them nuts, eh? Yeah, he was him just and. Like, uh, yeah. Scorsese came out hard too around the same time. They're just like, uh, how dare they do this to us? And it's just like Schneider's just like, thank God they do this for us. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I honestly got to say thank you to Warner for doing that because I thought Justice League was just a monstrous turd. And it, it's like to bring this full circle, like like with Aliens Assembly Cut. Seeing mm-hmm. a different version of the movie changed my whole perspective on it. Like, I don't mind Justice League as Snyder envisioned it. Yeah. But watching what Whedon did, 
it's like watching Alien Resurrection. Just get it away from me. This is gross. (laughs) What is this mess? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. So I guess, uh, I mean, I guess we can close this out and, you know, please check us out on, you know, our Facebook page and we have, you know, our main Xenomorphine page. And then we have the, uh, the, the group, the fan group one, um, I've mind, I've mind, I've mind, Michael, you have worlds of tomorrow as well. Yeah. Um, Gen- yeah, just general, general sci-fi and general yeah. aesthetic. anything is welcome there. For sure. Yeah. And Doe, what's the, what's the name again of your, your alien project you're working on? Oh, uh, cycle. cycle. Yeah. yeah cycle. cycle. Sweet. Yeah. Classy. <laughs> and yeah, we got, I think three, what's it? april 26th so yeah yeah alien day coming up soon so we'll be sure to have some some good stuff for you guys and gals and uh yeah it watch should be a lot of feeds. fun watch yeah our watch feeds. your feeds for sure we're gonna be giving you some stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna shoot uh, t-shirts out of cannons <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's happening folks that's right <laughs> all right well thanks a lot everyone and we will uh we'll Talk to you soon. See ya. See ya.